is here. Oh, thank you, Jeeves. And she's running with a heavy crowd. Godfrey Cambridge. A marvelous Eartha Kitt. A black goddess come to Earth. Yafet Kodo. She's just all woman. You're my main man. Scatman Crothers. Thanks, sister. Hey, what you doing? Thalmus Rasulala. You've got guts. Hey, what you doing? Ted Lange. Heavy. In Friday Foster. Friday. Like, who is Friday? Well, first, I'm a woman. your skull Friday that your life is in danger and that someone is trying to kill you? So you're out of the slammer. I thought I wouldn't see you until visiting hours. How was the bread and water? <laughs> You've got something for me, Colt. I might look into something for you in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. Well, all right. When do we go? You're not going anyplace. No way. It's open season on that super sister. And every stud in his brother is out to put her down. Or shake her up. But she don't dig their game. I'm delivering the milk. Fancy, there is nothing you have that I want. And I don't hustle for nobody. Hustle? You have lost your mind. My ladies don't think that their nigga has lost his mind. With them bad rags, each one's got her own personal health and welfare plan. Everybody's Girl Friday. Foster. Hello and welcome to the Film and Water Podcast. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And this week we're going to be talking about the awesome Pam Greer in 1975's Friday Foster, an action thriller. And with me to talk about this really fun film is my pal Jackie Nodell from the Sequential Crush blog. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rob. I'm very excited to have you here. Uh, we will talk about in a moment how uh, Jackie and I crossed paths and how we came to sort of have her on the show. But first, let's talk about the plot of this wonderful little movie first. Uh, Friday Foster stars Pam Greer and uh, Yafet Koto, another one of my favorites. Friday Foster is a professional photographer. She's a model turned photographer, and she's very much kind of like a Lois Lane. She just can't help finding herself in the middle of one dangerous scrape after the next. Uh, one day, Friday's boss assigns her to cover the airport arrival of multimillionaire Blake Tarr, fabulous Rasuala, known as the Black Howard Hughes. She's there when an assassination attempt uh, is uh, launched and manages to snap a few choice photos of these assailants, including one played by Carl Weathers pre-Rocky. Despite her boss's admonitions, 
Friday can't help but get involved, especially after her best friend, Cloris, who just happens to be dating one of the assassins, is murdered. Uh, Weathers is a bad guy. His name is Yarbrough. He tracks Friday down to her apartment, which she shares with her younger brother. Uh, she manages to escape getting rubbed out. Despite several further attempts on her life, Friday keeps digging, eventually teaming up with the awesomely named private detective Colt Hawkins, the aforementioned Kodo. The trail leads all the way to Washington, D.C., where Friday learns that the attempt on Tar's life is just part of a larger conspiracy to kill prominent African-American leaders. There are several suspects, including a U.S. senator, an underworld boss, not to mention fashion designer Madame Morena played by TV's Catwoman, Eartha Kitt. There are also brief appearances by Scatman Crothers, Godfrey Cambridge, the love boat's Ted Lang as a pimp, and Thurston Howell III himself, Jim Backus. And uh, it's all about whether Friday can figure out this plot before it goes too far. So, Jackie, what did you think of this movie? I liked it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I had read the comic book first for watching the movie, and the two really, we'll talk more about it later, but they're not alike really at all no No. (laughs) but i thought it was it's a a fun um movie i really liked pam greer in it um she definitely had the star power for the film and i had a lot of favorite scenes i was trying to think of some favorite parts but I really, Eartha Kitt was really fun in it. She's big in this movie. She's big. She, yeah. you know? I get the feeling the director was like, okay, can you dial it down? You're kind of doing like a 15, and she's like, the best I can do is an 11. You know? like, yeah. She's big in this movie. I think one of my favorite parts was the fashion show. Right. And Because of Eartha Kitt. And the other models are just so... Their faces are so serious. (laughs) Besides a lot of really great scenes, um, I really like the soundtrack. And, you know, of course, so my blog is about 1960s and 70s romance comics. So I'm pretty much obsessed with the 70s. So I just love the whole 70s aesthetic and all the clothing. And it was really, it's right up my alley. (laughs) Yeah, the outfits are great. I mean, Ted Lang as the pimp, who, whose name is Fancy Dexter, which is Fancy, an awesome yeah. name. His outfit <laughs> is amazing, as you would expect from a 1970s pimp, of course. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, all the characters have great names in this movie. I mean, it's a Scatman Crothers plays Noble Franklin. Uh, we've got the guy Blake Tarr. Eartha Kid is Madame Rena. Godfrey Cambridge plays Ford Melot. Yuffet Koto, Colt Hawkins, Friday Foster. I mean, I mean, a lot of these are taken from the comic strip, of course. But I just, I had not seen this movie uh, until I had reviewed it for uh, 13thDimension.com, which is kind of how all this got started. And I, were you like me in thinking when the first time you saw it that it feels like it's a sequel to? Yeah. It, it opens like it's an episode of the Friday Foster weekly TV series. It does, and I wonder. If, you know, were people really familiar with the comic strip? I don't know how, I mean, it ran, I think it ran in the Chicago Tribune and some other large papers. So, I mean, it's a possibility they were, you know, banking on people already knowing who Friday was. Yeah, the strip ran from, I think, 70 to 74. It's the first comic strip to feature a black protagonist, black female protagonist. Uh, yeah, the movie came out in 75. I mean, I think they were probably in production in 74, so I'm guessing they were assuming the strip would still be around. Obviously, it wasn't that big of a deal if the strip was already done by, by 74. You would think they could have held out another year. No, yeah. we got a movie coming out, guys. Like, whoever canceled it, like, you can't wait a year. <laughs> like, let's do, you know, we're going to have a big budget movie. Uh, 
but it's it's like the opening credits. It shows you scenes from the movie you're about to see. Yeah, which makes it seem like that's previous episodes of Friday Foster. You know, it's like NBC at ten o'clock. You know, Friday nights, Friday Foster. So, and all the characters, I mean, already know each other. Friday has already been a model and is now a photographer. Like her and her boss know each other. Her and Colt Hawkins already know each. Like everyone already knows one another, and it really has that feeling of like, oh, this is just another adventure of Friday Foster that I guess we haven't. There, I guess there are other ones we don't know about or something, but it has that. I, I kind of enjoy that. I've seen other movies that have that feel, and it to me it gives it a more lived-in feel because it's like, of course, all these people already know each other because they're real people. You know, yeah. it's, it's not this is not like the origin story of Friday Foster or anything. Right. I mean, I think it is. It is a little bit of a confusing movie, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's very fast-paced. Um, and I think that just the way it jumps right in. Um, you know, adds a little bit to the confusion, but I think, you know, you quickly get a sense of what's going on. Um, but, and you had mentioned, um, that she was the first African-American, uh, woman character in a comic strip. And technically that's right. But before her, um, in the forties, um, Jackie Orms, um, she was a prolific comic book or I'm sorry, comic strip artist. And she was African-American. She did a character, um, called Torchy Brown and, um, what a great name. Yeah, and that actually ran earlier, but um, the distinction I guess most people make is that Jackie Orm's work was in um, uh, newspapers like the Pittsburgh Courier, which was a black newspaper. So Friday Foster, that strip was the first one to run in a majority paper. Oh, right. Okay, like a nationally syndicated paper. Right, right. It was nationally syndicated. So so it definitely was um, a character that was, you know, out in the public. Um, and fr- I love the name, Friday Foster. Oh, yeah, it's it's such a great comic book name. I mean, with the alliteration and everything else, it just rolls right off the tongue. And, yeah, you mentioned Pam Greer is great in this. I mean, that's just like any movie with Pam Greer. You're going to say that. Pam Greer is the – you know, she is so effortlessly a movie star. Yeah. So ridiculously charming. I mean, she doesn't – in this movie, she doesn't – even though there's a lot of violence. I mean, a lot of people get shot and stuff like that. It's like she has a kind of like flinty kind of delivery with some of her lines that she – or even though she is the you know she's the target of an assassination at one point there's a (laughs) not not to you know the the pam Greer movies weren't always subtle she gets uh, attacked by carl weathers while she's in the shower so we have to have her topless of course (laughs) because like she doesn't she gets scared at some points but she seems kind of at times like this is all sort of fun and i think that's just because pam Greer seems so a powerful figure in movies that I, I would be hard for her to play somebody sort of timorous, you know? I mean, she just seems confident in whatever yeah. it is that she's doing. Yeah, I mean, she was very, her character was just so brave, and yet she was sweet and, you know, strong. Um, I honestly just wish, I don't know if you got the sense that, like, she wasn't even in it enough. Like, I wanted her to have more dialogue and, 
see more of her. No, you know, pun intended there. Cause we, <laughs> we did see a lot of her. Um, but as far as more dialogue and, um, for being a photographer, she lost her camera pretty early on <laughs> when it falls down an elevator shaft. Um, which I wish that she had some sort of backup camera. Cause I would, she was really, um, endearing when she was photographing people and scenes. So I, I wish that she had been given a replacement camera. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah. For somebody who's a photographer, <laughs> she doesn't do, I mean, she does lots of other stuff. I mean, she steals a hearse at one point, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. She stole a hearse and didn't she steal a milk truck as well? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I agree that she kind of isn't in it enough. I mean, once um, Yafet Koto kind of becomes a big part of the movie, it's, it, he almost takes over. And it becomes yeah. like the Friday Foster slash Colt Hawkins movie. And I mean, I'm not going to complain. I love Yafet Koto. Uh, I think he's a great presence in movies. But yeah, I mean, she is, she is, you know, she's the main character and you want to see her. And they do have some other stuff with her. Like she has a, a, a little brother who she's trying to keep out of trouble because they talk about that the, they're orphans, basically. Although Pam Greer seems a little old to be still considered an orphan, I guess. But he's yeah, still, still I was, brother. the brother, um, Cleve was his name, I think. And, um... Their relationship, I, I liked that. I would have liked to see more of that as well. Yeah, she's trying to keep him out of trouble because there's a whole bit about that he could get sucked into the like in the bad world of drugs and and I mean they they hint at uh, the Ted Lang character is the the pimp and he's maybe a little bit of a seductive guy because he's showing that he's kind of a bad element. At the same time, Ted Lang's character seems so kind of he doesn't seem menacing. I no, mean, he's a pimp. But he's so, but he's Ted Lang from the Love Boat. I mean, he's Isaac from the Love Boat for Pete's sakes. He's just not that scary, really. So you don't, I don't think you ever fear that much for the younger brother, but you do, they do kind of hint at that, that it's like, she's a professional. She's out there with a job. You know, she's trying to like build a life. She's got a nice apartment. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's very nice. Yeah, swinging Mm -hmm. 70s pad. And she's trying to keep him out of trouble. There's a whole angle here about, that there is a subsection of the African American community that will turn on itself for a buck. And that's, I thought that was a really interesting angle, and it's something that I really hadn't you know, really seen in too many movies, and that's like the whole thing that drives the plot, is that the guy, there is a guy who we find out later on, he is willing to take out who he has to take out because he wants to be wealthy and have a lot of power within the, the world that he lives in, which is, I thought that was a, it's like a really big theme for what could have just been sort of like a little thriller potboiler kind of thing. Yeah, I think there's some, definitely some, themes that are sort of they're not right on the surface but if you kind of dig a little deeper they're they're there there's also um going along with you know the 70s and sort of you know um coming out of the era of like free love and everything um friday she's very obviously very sexy and she's no one you know bats an eye that she's you know having sex with multiple guys in the movie (laughs) and um you know it just nobody judges her for it and uh it's just she's just you know her sexuality is just um a part of her and but there's also some romance um which i liked all the little romance parts and there was also um her friendship with cloris cloris boston i think her name was another great name Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cloris is a model and she is uh, killed. She's stabbed in the back, um, literally. And um, I liked that they hinted at that 
friendship between women, um, which I feel like the one-shot comic book, that's kind of a theme in the that one story in the comic book. Mm-hmm. So there were some interesting little bits of sort of feminism. Like they're at a gay bar and um, he had a great name too. What was the... Oh, Godfrey uh, Cambridge's character. Uh, that's that's Ford Malat. Ford Malat, yeah. He says, you know, why don't you just go and have some babies? And, you know, she is <laughs> not having it. So, um, <laughs> so that I really liked those bits. Yeah, it's funny. I wanted to mention that, and I'm glad you got to it about the whole thing that, that Friday Foster beds down several guys in the room. First of all, every guy is trying to have sex with her because it's Pam Greer, first of all. I mean, right. they have two eyes and a pulse, so they're looking at Pam Greer. <laughs> but, yeah, this is a very sex-positive movie. I mean, yeah. she, she, she beds these guys down, some of them clearly to kind of get information out of them, others because she just wants to have sex with them. And, yeah, the movie makes no big deal about it. It doesn't present Friday as anything other than she's a liberated woman in 1975 and she wants to do this and that's it. And that's that was pretty, I'd say, pretty remarkable for 1975. I think it'd be pretty remarkable now. I yeah. I, in a movie now, it would you would raise some eyebrows by some people for that. Definitely, definitely. Especially because it, the two men that she sleeps with, it happens in pretty quick, you know, yeah. order. So... <laughs> And I, I think it was also, it's a very, like, glamorous look at the 70s. Um, she goes to the party in Washington, Washington D.C., and her attitude, she doesn't have an invite. She just kind of, like, fakes an invite. And I loved her attitude with that. It was just like, you know, don't you know who I am? Like, <laughs> that was great. So I think that was, again, her, yeah, her using her you know, her charms um, to do what she needs to do to get information. Yeah, I mean, again, she is. They, she keeps, throughout the movie, they keep warning her, like, don't look into this, you're risking your life, and she's just sort of barrels through. And again, I think it's because Pam Greer just has that natural sort of confidence on screen. And, you know, even when she was in movies like, you know, uh, the oh, I think it was Black Mama, White Mama, which is, like, not a great movie, she just has that natural charisma that... You know, you. She seems uh, again, even when she's under threat. You just, she's going to barrel through because she just has that heroic presence to her. You know, I mean, uh, and yeah, I, I love. Um, you mentioned the other thing about her best friend Clovis. Like this film would pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, <laughs> it would. You know, I mean, they have lots of her and Clovis have lots of scenes together where they're just talking about their friendship, and they're not yeah. talking about a man. They're not talking about Friday's boyfriend or anything like that. They're discussing their life and stuff. Which again, that's you know, it's interesting to me. Like this film obviously was considered part of the black exploitation movement, a black exploitation film, and it's like this was produced by American International Pictures, so they weren't. It wasn't a major studio, but it wasn't a you know, it wasn't an independent thing either. Sort of, they were like a mid-range kind of thing. And it's like, it feels like a lot of movies produced by a major studio wouldn't have some of this kind of material, wouldn't have a movie that passed the Bechdel test, wouldn't have a main character that beds down multiple men and is not apologetic for it. And it was like, were they, did they feel that because this was aimed at a, at a predominantly black audience, they could be more sophisticated? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's very sophisticated. Like, they have phones. Like, well, the pimp has 
a phone in his car. But like uh, <laughs> Friday, she just has a phone out on her like roof patio or whatever. Um, everyone is just very glamorous in it. Um, what do you think about Friday's outfits in this movie? As someone oh, who focuses on that stuff, she she does look great in this movie. Oh, she she looks great. I lo- of course love the the outfits. Um, I think my favorite was the the one she wore to Cloris's funeral. It was like a green polyester um, (laughs) uh, shirt. And then also, I I think the skirt was also green and she had, you know, uh, um, knee high boots and a great like scarf. It was great. I mean, uh, I love that era in fashion and she looked awesome. Now you, I imagine you came to all this stuff later on in life because, I mean, you uh, you were not alive in the 70s, right? Am I, right. Am I, yeah? that's, okay. that's correct. <laughs> so when did you, like, when did you discover this stuff and you were sort of like, wow, this, this really clicks for me? Well, I guess it was when I started reading romance comic books. I, well, I always liked the 70s. I'm a big fan of, I love the, the Little House on the Prairie books. Um, but I also love the TV show. So, um, you know, watching, you know, when I was little in the late eighties, you know, stuff was on, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Just, they were replaying stuff and, you know, and I really liked that. I was just always very attracted to that time period. (laughs) Um, and then when I started reading romance comics, um, I really got interested in the sixties and seventies. Um, and I just, one of the things I love about the romance comic books are the fashion. I mean, I could probably have a blog just about the fashion from the comic books. As um, a, I will, I will, I will just say, as someone who did live through the '70s, it wasn't that glamorous. I, I know. See, that's my what I picture versus what it actually was, you know. But I've seen pictures of my mom, and you know, she looked pretty great. She had like little halter tops on and go boots, and so she was pretty styling. So there you go. Well, it's it's always nice when you can see your mom looking like wow. I've seen pictures of my mom with her giant beehive hairdo. I'm like wow, that's, that's my mom. Yeah, uh, actually, the romance comics is kind of a perfect time to talk about how uh, Jackie and I got to know each other, is that I had to write this piece for, for, for about Friday Foster for 13th Dimension. Actually, I had to. I chose to. Um, and I discovered, oh, there's a Friday Foster comic book. I was like, I didn't know that. I knew that it was based on the comic strip, but I didn't know that there was an actual comic book. Unfortunately, I went on eBay and looked for it, and like I could not get a copy – for less than a hundred dollars. Wow. And I'm like, I'm not dropping a hundred dollars to write a column on Friday Foster. So I went on Google and I did an image search and there was exactly one blog that had <laughs> images, uh, nice big images of the Friday Foster comic. And it was Jackie's blog, Sequential Crush. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh, this is great. And then I thought, well, she's the only person, maybe she scanned the whole comic. So that's, I reached out to Jackie and she was very kind and said, oh yeah, sure, you can have the images. Do you need other ones? And it was Jackie that helped me get the piece written because then I got to read the whole comic, luckily, for not having to drop $100. This is how we got to know each other. And now I really love Jackie's blog, Sequential Crush, because I really do enjoy romance comics now. The little bit that I've read, I really have been enjoying. And so the blog is great. If anybody enjoys uh, Siskoid's um, Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast, which is, of course, all about romance comics, 
I implore you to go check out Jackie's blog, Sequential Crush, because it's all about that stuff. It is super, super fun. And so in terms of the um, Friday Foster comic, it's very different than the movie. I mean, as you expect, there's no, you know, it was produced by Dell, which yeah. is sort of dull as dishwater comics and a lot of those. No nudity, no violence. But, I mean, it's it's a completely different story. So what did you, like, why don't you describe the, the comic book? Okay, so the comic book, um, it was published in 1972 by Dell. Um, the writer was Joe Gill, and the art was by Jack Sparling, and they had worked on a ton of romance comics, um, so between the two of them, so it definitely has a romance comic book feel, although it really... There, there's no romance for Friday Foster in the actual comic book. Um, but I found it at a convention. Um, I was at a comic book convention just looking for romance comics, like I do, like I usually do. And I must have looked. I don't know if it was. I can't remember if it was mixed in with romances or if I was just like looking through a box of Dells or where it was. But I found it, and I was just like. The cover, I was just like, whoa, what is this? It looks like a romance comic. And um, so I, I bought it, and um, it definitely was not $100. Um, <laughs> so it was probably a couple bucks, which, you know, usually if you go to conventions, you can get some deals like that. But so when I read it, um, I definitely saw pieces of it that were similar to romance comics, um, especially because um, Friday had been a fashion model and lots of romance comic characters are fashion models. Um, But the story is um, about Friday being assigned to track, um, to accompany this princess who has just be married into, I think the co- the country they called it teriyaki. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she's a princess. Her name is Jenny, um, and it's basically their. Um, it's basically a whole comic book about getting away from the paparazzi and trying to keep the princess out of the eye of the press and the friendship that forms between um, the princess and uh, Friday. And Friday sort of is like, realizes that deep down, you know, they're not that different. Um, They don't really mention, um, you know, race or anything, but more because, you know, Friday is just, you know, a a photographer and the princess is a princess. So, um, The and also the little brother is in it, um, and um, he's a little different than in the movie, but he's in it. And um, her boss, or she's a assistant to a photographer named Sean North, and they have this boss who um, her name I forget, her name escapes me right now, but she sends them on this journey to track the princess while she escapes from the paparazzi. So, and the comic book, it's, it's good fun. Um, it's, but it's definitely not quite a romance comic. Right. I mean, it's, it's funny. I would, you kind of think like publishing a comic book in 1972 that does not feature romance as the main plot. Like that by itself is like a feminist act. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely having that. Yeah. It's definitely like an adventure, um, sort of crime story. 
Right, and it, and just not to not to be reductive, but since you brought up the fashions, there's a full page shot of uh, Friday walking with the princess, and she is in one of the most amazing outfits I've ever seen. It's a long <laughs> green coat with a yellow like full body outfit, a red belt, and green boots. I mean, oh my god, she looks like a superhero, even though there's no, this is not a superhero comic. She looks smack. I mean, I have to figure that that was part of the shtick is that like she is a fashion plate because in oh, yeah. every scene she's in a different outfit. Outfit. I mean, she just looks so cool. Yeah, and I really wonder why they only, you know, did the one. It's it's really too bad. I don't know what their intentions were to do more, or but I really, I really wish that they had done more, or that it makes some sort of comeback. And maybe you know, since we're talking about it, and you've blogged about it, and I've blogged about it. You know, I, I can totally see Friday Foster as, like, a Netflix original show. Oh, hell yeah. Like, how amazing would that be? Beyonce <laughs> is Friday Foster. Yeah, I mean, I, somebody would make a great Friday Foster, um, and it would be a lot of fun because of the fashion and just she's such a great character. And it's – she's such a, you know – it's not like the other black exploitation films like, you know, Shaft. Nobody really knows, you know, I don't know a lot of people if you just went on walked out on the street and said, you know, who is Friday Foster that they would know. Right, right. Although, you know, I will in my research I did find that in two thousand nine the Tonner group or the Tonner company that makes those fashion dolls, they made a Friday Foster doll as part really? of their part of their line. Yeah, and she comes in all different outfits. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, well I missed that. So yeah. I'm gonna and so it's that like, Yeah, that was two thousand nine. So, you know, it was like it wasn't that long. Yeah, she's got she's in a disco outfit, she's got a sequined mini skirt outfit, there's another one with like she's got like some patchwork jeans, there's another one. There's a bathing suit one. It's a whole big thing. So obviously somebody oh. cared enough about Friday Foster to keep it going. Yeah. yeah. So, so. <laughs> Yeah, I would. It would be really fun to see this come back. I like the idea of a Netflix series. That's a really neat idea. Yeah, or even um, someone had said when I did my blog post in the comments that they wish that um, you know there was a collection of the comic strips. You know, it ran for four years, so um, and there was tons of. Um, the art is really nice, and there was a couple different people that ghosted for it that are pretty prominent names in comic books. And Gray Morrow is one of them, yeah. Yeah, and um, I read somewhere that um, I think like Craig Flessel and Howard Shaken also um, were ghosted um, some of the art on it. So, wow. Yeah, so it would be really cool to see the even the comic strips collected. Yeah, IDW has been doing those big collected books of all those heart of all those classic newspaper strips. That would be interesting. That mm-hmm. would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it. It's it's a fun strip. It's, it was the, the comic book I thought was okay, but like you, yeah, I wish they had maybe done done some more. I, I get the feeling, and this is just total off the top of my head as to like why there wasn't a second one. It reminds me a little bit of a couple years later, DC Comics released a one-off of Dick Tracy, which mm. they never had they never had the rights to before. And then I, I did some research and basically what I found out was DC came across the rights to a Dick Tracy comic for like peanuts. And so they were like, well, let's give it a shot. And they bought it for nothing, put it out, and it didn't sell. And they're like, all right, we're not going to do that again. But it was really like, we're getting this so cheap 
we can't lose money. And I almost yeah. wonder if that's what happened with Friday Foster. That it was like they were, you know, the the strip, the newspaper syndicate was like, anybody want to make a comic of this? And Dell was like, <laughs> yeah, sure, let's let's give it a shot. And maybe it just didn't, you know, because romance comics in '72 were pretty much on their, I fair to say they're on their way out, right? Or were they yes. mostly dead at that point? They were pretty much on the way out, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it would have been um, sort of at the tail end of that, and it's too bad, but I'm glad they made the one. Yeah, yeah. Do you think romance comics could – I've said this a bunch of times on the comments board for Siskoid show when he does a romance comics episode, but do you think romance comics could come back, like, as a genre? Definitely. Um, and I know, you know, there's, um, like, fresh romance. There's been quite a few that have come out recently, um, none that have been really strong in sort of the mainstream. Uh, most of them are indie press. Um, but I really think that – I mean, love and romance, those are themes that never, you know, as long as humans, as long as we're around, we're going to be intrigued (laughs) by love stories, I think. So um, now, of course, you know, there's, it takes a lot of creativity to do things that haven't been done before. So I think it'll just take, you know, the right formula of romance comics to bring them back. Now, will DC and Marvel ever publish them? I don't know, um, but luckily there are some other people that are publishing romance stories. And, I mean, romance novels, those are huge. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think the key for comic books will just be finding the right audience and the right mixture and, um, you know, the right artists. But I, I think it's definitely starting to slowly come back. That would be great because I said it's uh, when I've done a little bit of research or found some romance comics and I have a, a couple that I bought and like you know it's like they really are I mean they were the biggest genre for a long time and now they're completely extinct like in the in terms of DC Marvel I should be specific in sort of the mainstream they just went completely extinct like the dinosaurs and they just yeah. disappeared and it's I mean every other genre has come back westerns you know war horror all those have have come back to one you know extent or the other but i mean dc and marvel published thousands of romance comics from like the 40s through the 70s and then boom just yeah. that was it it was just and they never and also like i've also looked at like print ads at the time and it was like dc never even advertised their romance comics in their superhero comics i mean there was no crossover uh, once in a while you would see in the romance comics an ad for a wonder woman comic mm-hmm. or, or love Lane or supergirl yeah yeah but it was like it was almost like they were two separate companies that just did you know it was like yeah we're dc comics oh yeah i guess we also do oh yeah we do romance too but we don't talk about that like they didn't mention them at all they used to do these ads for like their entire line they're like we're now publishing weird mystery and you're like you guys do romance but they would yeah. never mention I find that stuff fascinating yeah I mean it's it's too bad they went out but I guess that's what makes you know studying them very special um and it's it's totally I mean I guess I can say romance comics have changed my life um <laughs> <laughs> but I've been you know doing the blog now since 2009 so it's been a while um and I definitely would like to see more um, I, th- I think more modern romance comics would be great. This is a perfect time to talk about your book. 
because I did want to mention this. So why don't, why don't you tell people about the book that you're working on? Okay, so um, I am working on a book. It's called How to Go Steady, and it is about the advice that was in the romance comics. <laughs> and um, I recently did a Kickstarter, and unfortunately it was not successful. Oh, boo. Um, I know, but we came, I mean, I'm really proud of what we did and things are not over. Um, the artist, uh, of the book, it's going to be fully illustrated and the artist I've chosen, um, her name is Jenny Samino and, um, she's, she just perfectly encapsulates the feeling of the romance comics from that time period but also with, you know, a modern twist. Um, and we are actually going to be meeting this next week to go over how we're going to launch this again and do the Kickstarter again. Um, so we'll probably end up doing the Kickstarter around October or November. Um, but the book, it is, it'll be, it's full of advice. Um, and I chose advice which actually was a lot of the advice that is still relevant today. Um, I did throw in some advice that's a little, you know, definitely dated. Like um, <laughs> there's one question that someone wrote in asking the proper etiquette for giving back a guy's hanky. Um, <laughs> a what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, which the correct answer would be to launder it and return it. <laughs> and a few other just fun things that are totally dated, but the majority of it is totally applicable to anyone who's dating um, at any age. It's and any, um, you know, anyone who just needs to know like good, solid advice for, um, you know, dealing with love. So I am really excited to launch it again. Um, it's fully written and, um, the money that we do raise when we do the Kickstarter again, will go towards paying the artist, um, and getting all the illustrations and design completed. Very cool. It sounds like a terrific book. And like I said, anyone that listens and enjoys Siskoids's Siskoids's uh, Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast should should check this out. And we will I will be promoting it when it comes uh, come time again. And we will have a link to uh, Jackie's uh, blog in the show notes. The the uh, sequential crush uh, blog. Yeah. So and you'll probably notice that I haven't updated as much as um, you know very recently because I have been working on the book. Um, but I'm also going to be relaunching Sequential Crush um, in the next couple. months months. I'm working on that currently. Um, it's still on an old blogger blog site, so I'm going to be working on totally revamping it and um, doing some different things with it. So um, keep an eye out for that as well. Very cool. Very cool. So um, we're going to wind this back as we as we finish up here to back to Friday Foster. Would you recommend this movie? Like, would you, to, to the average person, or do you think it would have to be someone that you know enjoys, like Pam Greer, or enjoys this kind of thing? Or what, what would you think about recommend, re- recommending this movie to people? Yeah, I mean, I think if you like the time period, period um 
and you like it's definitely an action movie. There's tons of like car chases and you know that sort of thing. Yeah, um, Cotto and Carl Weathers have a great fight on the roof of a building, which is awesome. Yeah, two, two Arnold Schwarzenegger co-stars beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah, there's just some great um, action scenes. So I think if you like. Anything like that, or like Pam Greer, or any of the characters, um, you should definitely watch it. I think it's it's only like an hour and a half. Um, yeah. yep. It's a great, just fun movie um, to watch, and I really enjoy it. And I think anyone who likes, you know, my blog would probably enjoy it. Yeah, I, I'm said I'm such a huge fan of Pam Greer. I just think she's just such a great movie star. I mean. Jackie Brown is one of my all-time favorite movies, like total top 20 films of all time. So uh, I just love seeing her like this. I just just enjoy seeing her front and center being such a, like an ass-kicker kind of thing. It's, <laughs> it's just like a Lois, alternate universe Lois Lane movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which would have, been, would have been super cool to do like a Lois Lane sand Superman movie. That would have been really cool. And that's, yes. that's what this kind of feels like. So, yeah, I would really recommend it. And as you said, it's only like 90 minutes. It goes down really quickly. It really is, in terms of like the world of... Of like uh, black movie actors of the 70s it's all it, Richard Pryor it's like the only one who's missing in this movie it really is like <laughs> this like all-star lineup of people you're like oh this guy oh that guy I know him from this yeah. I know him from that it's tons of people so it is a lot of fun and like I said it's it's uh, it's Pam Grew who I never never tire of watching so Jackie thank you so much for a uh, helping me out with the the blog post that was enormously generous. Absolutely, I really appreciate it, and thank you for coming on to talk about this movie. I was so excited to to want to talk about it, and I was like, the only person I really know that's even seen this movie is Jackie, and hopefully she'll want to talk about it. And you did, and I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it was, I mean, how often do you get to talk about you know a kind of obscure. 1970s movie so i had to take you up on it and uh thank you so much for having me awesome. no problem so uh everybody if you want to follow the show it's of course over on our network which is fireandwaterpodcast.com and there you can leave comments on the show thread or use the contact page to contact us and you can follow the show over on twitter at film and water pod so go out find friday foster i think you can rent it on itunes and stuff it's it's really a lot of fun so thanks everybody for listening and until next week that's a wrap <coughs>
Mr. Riley. Happy New Year, boss. If it's Sean you're looking for, I don't... I don't want Sean. At this point, I want you. Oh, boss, I didn't know you cared. 